very plainly, as you have heard, we are not fellows ourselves. We're just fellas. <laughs> just uh, fellas. Just fellas. <laughs> uh, and, F-E-L-L-A-Y-A-H-S. Fellas. We're not even with the H. Yeah, I think we just leave it at the A. A-S, yeah. Yeah, fellas. Fellas. Or, or, or. You, you, if you really want, if we're on a good day, we're fellers. Uh, fellers. You know, so fellers. Yeah. Hey, look at them yeah. fellers. That's the Ernest T. Bass uh, pronunciation. Uh, fellers. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All righty. Welcome in, boys and girls. Another uh, fine, uh, fine episode of your favorite weekly Alabama politics podcast with the creative name of Alabama politics this week. Uh, I am Josh Moon. Uh, that is David Person. All right. We, and, we're, and can we're I just say, accounted for. Yeah. 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 And can I just say um, our esteemed producer uh, said that we uh, have gotten, what did he say? 70? Yeah, did 70 say some seven? odd reviews and ratings. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like I, I'm really proud of that. I, that that tells me that uh, that we're making an impact and that and that people are really listening and and uh, yeah, that's engaging. just on Apple Podcast too, man. That's uh, yeah, so yeah, that's um, that's really that's really something. I'm I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, it is. Uh, you know, if you go and look, I mean, you know, you say seventy, and people think, well, shouldn't it be like seven hundred thousand? Well, that's not true. Most people don't leave ratings for these things, uh, you know. And so, you gotta, you, you know, you, it takes a little while to to build up such a thing, and um, you know, with podcasts because there is a kind of a you know a, a saturation of uh, of those things at this point. And I mean, mm-hmm. there are there are a ton of podcasts out there, and for a, for a weekly. A state specific podcast, you mm-hmm. know, like that. That's a, it's a fairly, I would say, a fairly high number to me. I mean, yeah. I was, you know, I'm like you. I was kind of proud of that myself. And it's, you know, it's not going to be the, it's not going to be like the the guys that you know, the former Obama guys that do their, you know, their crooked media um, uh, podcasts and uh, those type things. It's not going to be the same as your your true crime you know, podcast that rate highly or something like that because mm-hmm. we're, you know, we're we're at a at a limited audience uh here is who, who we're targeting for the most part and yeah, just people uh, interested democrats in alabama. in alabama you know basically yeah. uh, or or, yeah. or you know and we're not re- really just democrats but we we have democrats on the show uh mm-hmm. and uh and we talk about things from that po- perspective a lot of the time and it's, and it's a perspective that's not often heard in this state and right. uh and i do think that there are republicans out there who listen regularly uh, you know, Republicans in office who listen mm-hmm. regularly, and and we appreciate them as well. And I don't. And we know. talk about some of them too. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. Uh, <laughs> almost all of it, nice. Almost all of it, nice. Uh, unless they're the right wing nut of the week. Uh, and so you know, it's. But listen, it's a uh, you know, it's it's life in the it's life in the big city, as they say. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you if you want to play the game, people are going to talk about you, and so, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of one of those people uh, that we talk about. Uh, from time to time is uh, Tim James. Tim James is running for governor of Alabama. I I really, I I just don't, I don't truly, I don't understand why. And, and the reason I say that is, um, well, let me, let me, let me rephrase that. I understand why he's running. I understand. I think the mindset that's at work here, but what I don't understand is that, you know, he's run. Let's see. This is his third or fourth run for governor. Am I right? 
about that? I, I think third. If third I, it may be second, but I um, I feel like it's been every time. Uh, but it, it feels like it to me. Now, yeah, you know, but it's, maybe I'm wrong. A lot, that, a lot but, of them, but uh, but let's say um, at least two. At least two. At this least is, two, this would yeah. make at least. I think this is his third run. I, it I may, feel it may very well be. I feel pretty open. certain he's run for governor at least twice before now. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, and I'm thinking to myself when he's run, uh, you know, he's never really placed competitively. Uh, so that to me should be, you know, a little bit of an indication <laughs> to him of, you know, perhaps maybe you're not with the people. Mm. And, and, I, and I started to say the people of Alabama, but I, I guess I really should say specifically, maybe he's not what the Republicans in Alabama want. It just doesn't seem like it to me. You, uh, know? you know, and it I, seems like to me, this is just about Tim James running because he's Fob James's son. I mean, that's really what it seems like to me. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's probably some of it as well. Um, I think that that you know he he had because he does have the backing of some old Fob James supporters. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know his um, his campaign is nuts, man. I mean, it it really is. It is. It's it's off the rails, kind of. I mean, just let me. He gave a speech Wednesday mm-hmm. uh, of this week. Yeah, announcing his official candidacy for governor. Uh, he gave this speech on the steps of the Capitol, okay? And this is the open for this, all right? After talking about his grandchildren and, and saying he's, he's announcing his run. This is his open. We've reached a tipping point, and we will turn back to our Judeo-Christian heritage or be ruled by some form of godless Marxism that controls every aspect of our lives under the yoke of fear and intimidation. The battle won't be easy, but we will prevail. Alabama has always been mocked for our values, but God has called this state to lead, and in the days ahead, America will turn to Alabama for counsel and wisdom because of the authority God placed on our shoulders years ago. Alabama honored honored the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when others turned away. And if we continue to do that, we will be blessed beyond measure. That's the open. Yeah. That's the open. Yeah. I mean, it, and it, it got nuttier from there, I said, man. I said to you and our esteemed producer before we, uh, before we started rolling tape that this sound, it sounded to me like some kind of a, a combination of Ernest Ainsley and John Birch. I mean, just really <laughs> kind of you know, apocalyptically bizarre, um, you know, fusion of religion and politics, which, you know, I, I, I understand, you know, that there's a faction, uh, well, and it's sizable faction, I think of, of, uh, evangelicals who have, who, who, who are inclined to do that, you know, Mm -hmm. And I and I've and I've seen through the years, you know, or since through the years that he was coming out of that faction. But I just, I, you know, it. But it. But when you juxtapose what he's saying with, you know, the the things that are facing our state, it just sounds really wacky, you know. And, <laughs> and, and I'm and I'm saying yeah. this as a, you know, look, I, you, you know, I'm really open about the fact I go to church. Uh-huh. You know, I'm a I'm a practicing Christian, uh-huh. you know, uh, even though I'm on, you know, I'm a Democrat and I'm on the liberal side of things. I'm a practicing Christian who goes to church. But when I hear somebody stand up and say stuff like that, that just sounds it sounds really like 
he's living in the 1950s or something mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, 2020s. It's weird. Listen, listen uh, to, to your point. We have this is more Tim James. We have been worn into submission by a federal government growing ever more powerful and by a federal Supreme Court that has detached law from truth. They removed voluntary prayer from schools. I just just for a quick pause. They have not removed voluntary prayer from schools. OK, and anyone who tells you that is a liar or a moron or some combination of both. Uh, they approved abortion on demand and the deaths of 75 million babies at the hands of abortionists. The remains of these little ones have been sold like chattel. Uh, these unelected left-wing judges decreed a new definition of marriage, including those of the same sex, same sex, leading to the forced acceptance of transgenderism, all of which conflict with the nature and character of God. Marxism is at our doorstep, and those that embrace it have a desire to remove every aspect of God from society, so reliance and faith is on government and not on the one that created government. Again, you just I hear that and I'm thinking, what 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 world is he living in and in what century? I mean, is it true that same sex marriage has been approved? Yes, it's true. Mm-hmm. Is it true that 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 transgendered people are now being formally recognized in ways that they were not before by society and government? Yes, that's all true. But the reality is um it sounds like he wants to live in a world where people well first of all let let's 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 frame this in a way that's rational mm-hmm. when you start talking about people in the lgbtq spectrum you're not talking about even 50% of society uh-huh. you're talking about a percentage that's more like what they say maybe 10% something yeah. like that you know uh, and and when you talk about accommodations, societal and governmental accommodations for them, well, I mean, everybody should be free to, um, you know, to live life as they choose. Tim James doesn't want the government dictating to him what he can do and can't do, you know, what how he can worship or can't or 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 what he can wear or how he or what he uh, he doesn't want that. So why does he think it's fair for government to to have a say in two consenting adults who are minding their own business, two consenting adults who want to pursue a life together as as a loving couple? Mm -hmm. Why should that be Tim James's business? Why should it be the state of Alabama's business? Well, it's it not, the, David. It's God's business, okay? Uh, and you know what? God's Actually, business. and I and I <laughs> and I hear the sarcasm in your voice, but here's the reality: it is God's business, oh. and God isn't saying a thing about it. <laughs> God isn't saying anything about it. The only the only but only people that are saying things about it are these evangelicals who want to control, uh, and I think really suppress the rights of consenting adults. Mm-hmm. To do what they want to do. Oh, it's right there in the Bible, David. It's right there in the Bible. What's uh, I mean, in the Bible? Well, the, I mean, you can't. You can't. It's it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. I think that's in the Bible. <laughs> that's not in verse. the Bible. <laughs> is, are you sure? I'm pretty sure. There's it is. no verse that talks about Adam and Steve oh, or oh, as being. Oh. The- <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm pretty sure it is. I think you're wrong about this. One. Adam, uh, Adam but, and uh, Eve, not Adam and Steve. I haven't seen that in my, any version of the Bible I've ever read. <laughs> Uh, 
Uh, well, listen, I know from my from my Bible classes uh, that I think that was that was probably probably right near the front, and maybe maybe you just missed it. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but no, it's it's, um, it, it's it's nonsense. It's it's emotional. It's an emotional ploy, you know. And you know, and his his biggest <laughs> his biggest issues that he addresses are casino gambling, mm-hmm. uh, transgenderism. Mm-hmm. And marijuana. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he is he is totally against marijuana, medical marijuana, Which and makes really some just uh, provably false statements about marijuana and and the impact it has on uh, on opioid use. That he claims that it um, it, it in, in states that have approved uh, recreational marijuana. That opioid deaths have increased by twenty two percent. That's that's one hundred percent false. Um, if if you judge those states by the by the time that they approved uh, marijuana, now if you go in and you take out certain portions of time, yes. But the reason most experts and most studies say uh, that the two are completely unrelated for the most part. Well, uh, that that there are there are usually in those states there's a dip in opioid use and then opioid deaths immediately following the legalization of marijuana. Mm-hmm. But then what? over the course of time, those two things separate again uh, because the the people that are, are hooked on opioids in some form or fashion do not find it uh, that, that marijuana alleviates that addiction. And so mm-hmm. they return back to that. So essentially, it's a, almost a zero-sum game out of that. If anything, there's a bit of an overall decline uh, that takes place in there. But, uh, well, you know, you, so, so you can see a, an increase if you just, you know, take out certain portions of time. Right. Well, the other, the other hole to me in his logic is uh, opioid use was on a dramatic increase well before, uh, you know, there was even a discussion in mm-hmm. Alabama about medical marijuana. Yeah. You know, opioid use was 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 rampant here. So yeah. the idea that that marijuana is the scourge of Alabama yeah. and threatens to to decimate our society is ridiculous because mm-hmm. opioid use was already here doing well, that. And I'd also point out that opioids are legal on top of that, Josh, yeah. you're exactly right. You're exactly right. They're illegal. So, uh, so, so we got prescribed legal, every day. We got a legal drug that's being misused by <clears throat> hundreds of thousands of people that is doing more damage than a drug that has yet to become legal. And yet his focus is on, and, and, and by the way, that grows naturally out of the ground. But his focus is on that drug. Uh, well, I won't even call it a drug, but that plant and its byproducts, as opposed to the legal drug that's being abused by hundreds of thousands of people and doing all sorts of damage. It's just it's not logical. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> it's his final thing. here, And and, and there's a reason why, why we're talking about this, because Tim James is not a viable candidate in any way, shape or form. He's never going to win. But I, I think that. 
that what he what he talks about here, uh, first of all, a lot of this stuff is very indicative of the types of pandering candidates that get elected to lesser offices in this state. Um, and I think it's indicative of the direction of the state that this is the most viable opponent for Kay Ivey, not somebody from the left of Kay Ivey, but somebody from the right of Kay Ivey. Hmm. That's her most viable opponent at this point, uh, hmm. is, is that th- this is his plan for education. All right. This is this is his his five step plan for education. Number one, disruptive children will be removed from the classroom. Number two, we will let our teachers teach, not force them into being paperwork jockeys. Number three, principals will receive complete authority to manage their schools and improve grade scores. Number four, we will pay our teachers and principals more and give them bonuses for better performance. And number five, the key to improving schools is our parents. Parents will get choices. The money will follow the child and vouchers will give parents the freedom to send their children to the schools that are best for their children. Bing, 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 bing. These are the five most idiotic things that anybody have said about schools in at least the last week or so, because there's a lot of idiotic shit that's said about schools in this state. These are probably the five dumbest things that I've heard anybody say. That, just, just We will let our teachers teach, not force them to be paperwork jockeys. What the hell does that mean? I mean, yeah, what, are, what, what does it mean? Yeah. yeah. Is that, we, yeah. What are you talking what about? Yeah. Hey, I mean, the disruptive mean? children you're going to remove from the classroom. Where the fuck are you going to put them? Because you got to educate them. Where and, you going to put them? Yeah. And, and who says teachers haven't been doing that anyway, or at least or at least trying to do that of anyway? Of course I mean, they've been pretty, doing that. You know? Of course they've been doing that. Yeah. So that's, that's just, now, you know, number four, okay, we're going to pay our teachers uh, and principals, you know, more money, I think is what you said. Okay. And give them more and for, give them bonuses for better performance. Right. So we're all, we're all for, <clears throat> teachers and, and principals getting paid what they're worth. Uh-huh. But, you know, the real question is you make a statement like that. The obvious follow up is, well, where are you going to get the money from? Yeah. Where's exactly. the money going to come from for that? Exactly. You know, listen, you, you want to fix our schools. I, I can fix I, I can fix our schools in this state. Well, I mean, maybe not fix them 100 percent, but I can I can vastly improve the school, the public education in this state with two points of my own. Number one. Allow full school choice with transportation provided to any public school within the county you reside. You can go if you're a child in that county, you can go to any school you want to go to. And if you uh, if you're below a certain income threshold, then transportation will be provided to you to that school. You can go to any of them. Number two. Funding for schools is based upon income levels and performance, meaning those with the the lesser incomes among the student population and those with the lowest performing schools get the most funding and the most help. Mm -hmm. You you do those two things and, and you have better schools all around tomorrow. Right. And, and, and I, I agree with you on both of those points. Uh, The unfortunate thing is we know that'll never happen because Um, there are a lot of people who still have a mindset that, um, that, you know, as we've talked about on this podcast before, that it's acceptable for some people to suffer because, because they're, you know, they, they haven't, uh, met some threshold that's in somebody's mind, whether it's due to race, class, education, privilege, family name, whatever it is. 
Yeah. Uh, so we know, unfortunately, those things which are just, I think what you're talking about is just, and it alludes to uh, historic uh, discrepancies, historic uh, disenfranchisement, and just the, uh, and really, even though I know this isn't what you were espousing, it really, you know, points to the true virtues of Christianity, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that I know a lot of people like to point to, but they really only point to the stuff that uh, is convenient for them. One thing I want to point out to Josh, his, his fifth point, to me, that's that's that speaks volumes about, in part, who is behind his campaign and what mm -hmm. it is, what their objectives really are, because that's all about, um, you know, that's about the uh, the defunding of public schools is really oh, what that's about. And, and it's about uh, enriching at the public expense, enriching private schools. And they're going to be and, and they're going to be, if history is any indication, they're going to be private religious schools. So it's yep. really about diverting public money to private religious institutions. Yep. And, and I think that is immoral mm -hmm. and, and I think it is unethical. And and I hope that that never really becomes fully implemented, even though, unfortunately, uh, we have some mechanisms in the state right now that do just that or at least attempt to do just that. Yeah. And, and I will tell you this, uh, I've been around education a long time, uh, reporting on things for a long time. I've covered the stats and the, uh, seen the scores and, uh, you know, have gone about, you know, collecting test scores, usually through the, I had to you know, go through the back door to get them from private schools and go through the colleges, uh, before you can, you can really see exactly what, what's going on in a lot of places. The, the private schools in this state do no better job of educating children than the public schools do. And in most cases, if you want to judge them on the whole, they do worse. Uh, mm. Same for, uh, and listen, the charter schools, I'm going to be writing something about the charter schools in the very near future. They are a disgrace, an absolute abject failure. Uh, what we have put in place should embarrass the hell out of everybody. There, I, there are like three that are even functional at this point. And I, I, and when I say functional, I mean that are, are taking care of the money, that aren't an absolute joke, that aren't turning out students that are completely ill-prepared. Um, and, and so there are like three in this state that, that, are, that are doing a decent job. Uh, there's one that I like a, a lot. But most of the time in the, on the charter school level, if they're performing very well, there's a reason why they're performing very well. And it's a, they're a specialized school of some sorts. And this one, the, the best one that I can think of is, but the rest of them, there are, there are two or three in Birmingham mm. that are so ridiculously awful that I, I it, it's a, would be amazing to me if law enforcement doesn't show up at some point and arrest some people. Uh, there's wow. one in Montgomery that's the oh. same way. There was one that was approved by the Charter Commission for Washington County that was so awful that they couldn't even get off the damn ground. They couldn't even get a building built. That's how mm. bad they were. Mm. And so the idea that somehow or another, the, these places are going to be these, uh, oh, it, it, it's going to be the greatest thing to come to education because we're going to, we're going to base this on the, uh, you know, the, the free market and the free market's going to solve all of your problems because when there's competition, you know, that's what it is. Listen, the problem isn't trying hard enough. Okay. 
the problem isn't that our teachers and, and principals and people at public schools aren't trying hard enough. Hell, they all want to do a good job. They all love the kids. They, most of them love teaching. They, they certainly aren't going into it for the money and the relaxation, right. uh, you know. So right. so they all love to go in there and they love to go in and, and teach kids and be around those kids every day and to help them grow and become better adults. That, that's what 99% of, of school teachers want. OK, that's what they want. Do some of them get burned out and are they, uh, you know, the, do they have problems with motivation and things later? Yeah, a lot of them do. A lot of them. have. We have those problems, but mm-hmm. that's true in any industry in the world. Sure. But they're all out there busting their asses to try to do this thing. And and the idea that you think that they're just not trying hard enough because they don't have competition, that's nonsense. And you know it's nonsense. And what you're actually doing is trying to figure out a way to get to make segregation legal again. Yeah. And yeah. and to fund it with public dollars. That's, that's what you're it. trying to do. That's it. And it's it's the same playbook that has been used in this state time and time again. And not just here, but other places. But but we know it has really been done uh, virtually to perfection, unfortunately, here where uh, you have, uh, you know, you have schools integrated. And then what happens? All of a sudden, these academies pop up, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that are that are designed really to uh, be uh, a refuge. And I, and I say that with a lot of uh, cynicism, a refuge mm-hmm. for white children uh, who, you know, parents who don't want their their kids around white children, uh, I mean, around black children um, and or around poor children. And often, unfortunately, in the state, often uh, the poorer students are, are going to be black, unfortunately. Uh, so uh, that's really what that's about. And uh, you're right. It's a, it's a, it's just um, it's de facto segregation. That's what they're yeah. trying to create. Yeah, and, and you know, and I, you know, back back to Tim James, you know, mm-hmm. I, this this to me is a, a lot of what he says here, and a lot of these idiotic ideas, uh, you know, and it's it's really hard for me to even call them ideas because I think that gives a certain weight to them that they don't deserve. Uh, but it, it's the you hear these things a lot uh, from conservative, mostly white conservative people, pretty mm-hmm. much all white conservative people. Um, and, and, you know, these, these are the complaints that they have about things. They, they are superficial, um, really ignorant things uh, that are said, uh, really ignorant beliefs that are easily disprovable. Um, and, and that's who he's, that's who he's targeted with this. And that's who will vote for him it, are those Sorts of people, and so what worries me is that there is a growing uh, number of these people out there that 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 would be a viable pathway for uh, you know a guy running for governor of all things. But mm. uh, but what's even more troubling to me because I don't think he's going to win. What's more troubling to me is that I think this is absolutely a, an approach that is taken by people running for office for like state representative. Uh, mm-hmm. even state senator mm-hmm. um, or county commission, city council, those types of things. Um, that, to me, is the more worrisome thing, that we are leaning on this level of ignorance, uh, this level of, of falsehoods, um, th- this level of racism, and, and this level of 
just kind of ugliness, you know, of, of, of mistreatment of people for your own personal gain, but using it, but couching it in a different manner that makes it seem like it's okay. Yeah. And, and I think that's what he's done here. Well, he, he, I think he, uh, he epitomizes the old school Alabama political approach, especially as it relates to the, um, the use of race or racially tinged kinds of policies and strategies mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to politics. Uh, we, we talked um, off, off air about uh, the brilliant uh, piece that Kyle, our friend Kyle Whitmore just, uh, Whitmire, I'm sorry, I said his name wrong. Kyle Whitmire just published uh, uh, in AL.com this week. Uh, taking it was a brilliant piece, taking people on a tour of the uh, of the uh, of the monuments around the Capitol and really explaining to people uh, the the you know how entrenched white supremacy is in not just the building mm-hmm. and the monuments around the building, but in the history of this state in the very governing document of the state, the 1901 constitution, just, you know, and I, and I think that, that, um, that, that, that when you listen to Tim James and and people of his ilk talk about Alabama and Alabama's needs, that's really what they're trying to preserve. That status quo is what they're trying to preserve. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. And, and, you know, one one of the things we, we both mentioned a number of things that he's using, and and one of the things that we both left out was fear. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and it's a fear of you know whether whether it be religious based or whether it be race based or economic based, whatever. It's fear, and mm-hmm. that's what he's relying on. There's there's no there's no hope in it. There's no there's no let's strive for a better uh, Alabama. Let's 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 don't strive to build everybody up. Uh, let's just worry about ourselves because you're going to die if we keep this up or our children are going to fail. Your children are going to fail. Uh, you know, you're getting screwed. That That's the message uh, there instead of, of anything of having to do with, with hope or, or being uplifting in any way. And uh, it's just it's deplorable. And and, and I hope this is not uh, an example of, of where we're headed, uh, more so where we're headed. But it's it's really really kind of depressing that this guy is going to form our our governor's most viable challenge uh here and so yeah all right well on that happy note let's uh slide out of here and we'll get uh <laughs> we'll, we'll get uh anthony daniels on uh, uh he is uh he's traveling but hopefully we can get him in here and um uh talk about what's going what's going on. Uh he gave the state of the state response the other night and uh and we'll we'll talk to him about the, the response he's gotten from that. All right, we're back in a minute. Alabama politics this week. Hey everybody, if you would uh, like an opportunity to interact with us here at uh, Alabama Politics this week, uh, we've got a great way for you to do that. Uh, shoot a question over to apwproducer at gmail.com. That's apwproducer at gmail.com. Anything about Alabama politics you want to know about uh, I don't know, what, what everybody likes to drink or uh, where everybody likes to hang out or you know, whatever, whatever your question may be. 
uh, what chances the Democrats might have uh, in the uh, the upcoming midterm elections, uh, shoot us a question over at apwproducer at gmail.com. apwproducer at gmail.com. Thanks. All righty, welcome back. Alabama Politics This Week. Josh Moon, David Person. We are happy now uh, to get uh, House <laughs> Minority Leader Anthony Daniels in here uh, from, I believe, Denver. Is that where is that where you're calling from? I am calling from Denver, Colorado. Nice, nice. That's a, uh, so you're, taking, you're taking a little trip out uh, there for the Aspen Institute, is that correct? Yeah, I'm a, a Rodale Fellow at the Aspen Institute uh, with a lot of other leaders from across the country. So uh, we were delayed as a, as a result of COVID. Uh, yeah. So um, I'll be the second Alabamian to go to this program. The first one was Bill Poole. Oh, nice, nice. You know, you know when you made it is when uh, when you're from Alabama and someone gives you the title uh, fellow with the OW pronounced properly. Yeah. I mean, if you you know, if just a fellow, you know, you're just a fellow from Alabama. Yeah, you know, you're just a common guy. But if you're a fellow, oh, a fellow, you know, then then you've made it somewhere, man. You made and, it somewhere and, big. And let's not and let's not dismiss the fact that he said the Aspen Institute. Oh yeah, which is it, which is a very prestigious uh, entity. Yeah, so. it's a yeah, no man, I, I feel smarter for just having him on. Uh, I know really. it, it yeah. ups the it ups the uh, the caliber of the podcast yeah. by at least one hundred percent. So exactly. So, so I- so I hear y'all saying the next uh, the next uh, podcast is going to be about Plato and Socrates. <laughs> well, well, if we keep, if we talk to you long enough, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe so we we'll get some work in some Beowulf and uh, you know some old English. Uh, but yeah, I think so. It's uh, that's what we got to do. You know, we we got to elevate the level of discourse here. I think. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> got hey, uh, to use got- the Socratic method. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, which will probably, you know, maybe, maybe that's where we're losing the average Alabama voter. <laughs> maybe we need to go to the anti Aspen Institute or something, you know, and dumb it down. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, you, listen, I, I, I watched uh, the state of the state. Uh, then I watched your your response. Uh, yeah, and for everybody who doesn't know, uh, Anthony Daniels provided the uh, the Democratic response to Kay Ivey's state of the state address on uh, whatever night that was, Monday, Tuesday night, uh, I guess. Um, and I thought it was great. I, I did. I mean, I thought you touched on a lot of things. It was uh, it it was. Yeah, you know, I don't want to say it attacked her speech, but it pointed out uh, the inconsistencies of a lot of you know things that she brought up. Um, yeah, you know, I'm interested. What what has been uh, the response you've gotten from that? I've gotten positive response from uh, both Democrats and Republicans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that some of the the things that I pointed out uh, relative to uh, permitless carry and critical race theory and the need that and talking about uh, there's no mention of how of the 17,000 lives that have been lost as a result of Mm -hmm. COVID-19. There's been no mention about the 17 hospital closures uh, and there's no clear path and plan to actually uh, managing uh, this pandemic. And the mere fact that we responded to a um, mandate with a mandate and a tax. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, it has. You're right. You know, and one of the things that I found uh, really, really interesting 
um, has been what you mentioned with permitless carry. Uh, we talked about it a lot last week on, on the show, but we, you know, that has gotten such a a visceral negative response from law enforcement all across this state. Um, you know, you know, they try to pin it on the sheriffs who just want the money from the permits or whatever. Uh, you know, which is a bogus uh, is a bogus response to this, a claim. Um, uh, but there are police chiefs, uh, there are are normal everyday police officers and deputies out there who honestly, uh, you know, will will, will speak. Uh, candidly about this and tell you the reasons why they think that this is a terrible idea. One of which is being that, it, you know, this is a tool used in, in cities like Birmingham and Montgomery and Huntsville, I would imagine as well, uh, that, that they use this to be able to take weapons away from people that they know shouldn't have weapons or who are out to do bad things with those weapons. Um, and, you know, Montgomery alone, they took 1,700 last year. 1,700 weapons were confiscated, and they still had, uh, you know, 300-and-something shootings uh, in, the, in that city. So it's just, to me, this seems like a golden opportunity for Democrats to connect with, a, with the law enforcement community and maybe make some inroads into that. Well, I think that, you know, for... for you know, just to be clear, uh, there are a number of things that we, we support that's in line with the law enforcement community. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, we have, uh, I've, re- I've even recruited candidates that with a law enforcement background, and we have a current legislator, uh, current legislator in the Democratic caucus that has um, been a lot in law enforcement as well. And so I think where, where the, the, the divide always came is, is how do you, the implementation of policies. I mm-hmm. think that uh, to no fault of, of law enforcement, a lot of we've just depended on them to be the mental health counselors and all these other serving these other capacities mm-hmm. where they lack the training and background in. And so I think it, it's come a time to where we're just these things should have been done on the front end. But I think that uh, public safety and, and health and safety uh, in our in our country and our state should be priority. And for us. Uh, where we align with law enforcement on this permitless carry is that they denied approximately six over six thousand uh, people last year uh, um, access to a permit. Why? Because many of them had some type of mental illness mm-hmm. or background that prohibited them from being able to have a weapon. But this bill, permitless carry bill, would eliminate that option. Mm-hmm. Then when they confiscate weapons around across, there are so many weapons across the state that have been confiscated. And many of those weapons that they've tracked, they end up finding that they were involved in a violent crime. Mm-hmm. And so they get, and then they're able to track those weapons all the way back to the, the, the bullet and the gun. I mean, the bullet that was in the gun and they're able to track it, track it back. And so all of these things are built into the infrastructure of the the research that's done uh they're doing the background checks they're providing training opportunities for those that are carrying concealing and so there are a lot of things uh mm-hmm. that that will be in jeopardy and and this is going to make our communities more dangerous and but this is the tool that we should not be taking away from law enforcement in right. fact we should be alongside law enforcement anybody that pushes this off as being about money is dead wrong because mm-hmm. it's not even enough money to solve the problems that that exist within our state, mm-hmm. and so you know you may see a few headlines of some folks that have gotten in trouble uh, um, in the past, 
but that has nothing to do with the infrastructure, the technology, uh, and the intel that these dollars are invested in. And it's not just going to sheriff's office, right? There's a percentage of this that goes to other areas to help with the total infrastructure. And so this is just, it's not the right thing to do. Uh, it, it's going to make uh, their jobs much harder. It's going to make it more difficult for us to recruit individuals to go into law enforcement. And so it's just going to, it's going to really hurt the profession. You know, Anthony, I, for all the reasons you've mentioned, along with just the basic, I guess, reality that historically uh, Republicans are, are usually very staunchly in sync with law enforcement, I'm really just, you know, I'm really befuddled, honestly, by what really is going on here. I mean, why, why would the Alabama GOP be so adamant in opposing something that law enforcement, uh, you know, is, is saying to them? You know, why would they be so, so brazenly out of step? Well, here's the thing. And, and, and someone reminded me of this yesterday. Um, uh, we have a, quite a few individuals that were in law enforcement that's in the legislature on the Republican side that's supporting this bill, right? But the key word is they're former law enforcement. So they don't have to be, they don't have to deal with this at the level if this bill passes. So it has no impact on that, right? And so that's unfortunate. Now there are some that have a law enforcement background that opposes this bill uh, in in the Republican caucus. uh, And that'll tell you, you know, privately, hey, I'm not for this bill. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, for me, um, some say that this has become a, uh, um, a situation between a legislator and a sheriff, uh, a legislator that used to work for a sheriff. And mm-hmm. right now, the caucus's position is to dig in. But what they're digging into is going to dig a it's going to be a, a, a hole that all of us is going to fall going to fall in. And so it is going to hurt our state. It's like we're looking for a problem to solve. Like we're creating a problem to solve later on, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and yeah. I don't understand. We, we've done that with the mental health, mental health uh, centers and, and, and the closure of those several years, uh, you know, over a decade ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's like we're creating a problem to then come back and say, oh, we, we've solved this problem. This is, this is uh, unbelievable to me that we well, would even be having a conversation about these issues. Yeah, and, and I think the, the answer to, to your question, David, is that there, there are more votes on the other side of this, that, you know, they believe uh, that, that the issue of gun ownership and being able to carry a gun and, and creating this image of, uh, you know, of the hero with a gun, you know, the good guy with a gun killing the bad guy with a gun, uh, you know, that, that sort of thing gets more votes uh, with, with, within the GOP base than that it will be to appease the police in this. And so they think that this is something that will get them more votes. And so that's the simple math of it. And it doesn't matter to them that it's gonna, that it's gonna create the problems that Anthony just said, they, or that it's gonna make law enforcement less safe. I mean, it just, it, they don't care. They don't care as much about that as they do about the votes that it's gonna earn. So I, if that is the calculus, then I guess my, my follow-up question would be, are we sure, I mean, do they have a real, you know, and I, I know I'm getting into the, you know, I'm sort of looking past now the, the more important considerations, and I'm just looking at the, at the brutal politics of this whole thing. 
do we think that that, that that calculation is actually true? Anthony, has the Democratic Party kind of looked at this and is, is in fact, it the case that, that uh, from, from a polling standpoint or any other metrics you've been able to come up with that, that, that they are, in fact, doing something that is going to yield more votes? So the polling data is a little interesting. The polling data tells us that even among Republicans, when you ask the question, uh, you know, do you want to make it easier to, for a bad guy to get a gun or someone mentally uh, ill have access to a gun? It's 45-45 on the Republican side. How is now, that possible? How is that possible that that's the that you can answer that question? Yeah, sure. I want the bad guys to have guns. Sure, why not? But when, so when the conversation is more, I guess my point is when it's about public safety, and that law enforcement, uh, they're split between their support on law enforcement right. on this particular issue. But they've couched this issue as being a. Uh, an amendment issue as opposed to the logic of how it's going to impact public safety, right? And so the top line on the poll was more about, uh, you know, protecting their ability to to bear arms and to have access to a gun. But this is so much different than the actual bill. And so a lot of times we allow themes and sound bites to carry the day instead of uh, applying logic and reasoning to the argument. And so when we apply logic and reasoning to the argument of saying, this is going to make it easier for a bad guy or someone that may be mentally disturbed to have access to a gun, which will impact public safety. Right. Mm -hmm. So I've seen some of those numbers. Uh, You shared them with me, I think, uh, earlier this week, and I was looking at them. So do you think we've got, uh, do you think we've got an opening here? Is this a way to maybe exploit a divide that could uh, accrue to to our benefit as Democrats? And I'm speaking not for Josh, but I'm speaking for myself as 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 a Democratic Party. So, so what I would say is, it's more of an issue to divide the base on the Republican side as opposed to the Democratic side, right? Uh, but at the end of the day, um, it's going to cause a real divide among law enforcement and the Republican Party if this bill advances. And if this bill advances before qualifying and, we, and it continue to be talked about, you're likely to see law enforcement run their own candidates in those primaries. Yeah, yeah. That would be. So keep it going. Keep it going, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, outside of that, you know, there, there were there were a lot of other things and, and uh, that you talked about in this part of the agenda as well, the overall agenda. And, uh, you know, I think one of the most important ones and one of the ones that touches everybody in this state in some form or fashion um, 
that I, I think could be the uh, the the best inroad uh, for for Democrats is health care, uh, and you know whether it be the expansion of Medicaid or the expansion of mental health or whatever. Uh, you know, Kay Ivey did talk about adding, I believe it was twelve million dollars. Uh, you know, a program for twelve million dollars devoted to mental health care, which is n- n- nothing really. I mean, you know, twelve million dollars is is nice. It's better than no million dollars, but I mean, twelve when you talk about the actual cost of this thing, that's nothing. And so, I, I guess do do you? feel like that y'all have a plan that that is viable that that you can work with the blue cross blue shields and, and folks out there that will support that the hospital associations um and and make some inroads into that and and possibly uh, attract voters uh, to to the side as well i think that the blue cross and blue shield have been working extremely hard uh mm-hmm. on a plan that will then give the uh state you know uh, insurance to go on the uh, insurance or to go in the exchange which will then negotiate, you know, we'll be able to negotiate better rates, uh, which will give individuals access to it. I think the the, mis, the misunderstanding about this whole issue is that the Medicaid, the expansion appeals to the working poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is health care for the working poor. And so, you know, we've, we've couched this uh, in many years, have made this a very political issue, but this pandemic has exposed the vulnerabilities of our healthcare infrastructure. Seeing the impact of the 17 hospital close, I mean, the 17 hospital closures over the last decade, uh, seeing that you ask any hospital, call any hospital CEO and ask them, are they operating in the black? <laughs> right. You don't you don't have to take my word for it. Call them, you know, ca- call them, you know. And so because we have we have failed to properly manage this virus. I don't know. You know, there's 17000 people that have lost their lives from this virus in Alabama. I don't know what else we get, we get, we can actually tell them of the importance of having health care and preventative care. And the one thing, that one final point that I make about health care, uh, guys, do you know that a nutritionist and dietitian, they're not provide reimbursable services in Medicaid? So wow. we're only being reactive when the, when it becomes a crisis for people. But instead, mm-hmm. we're, we're not helping on the preventative services, okay? Helping a person avoid getting diabetes, right? Working with a nutritionist and a dietitian to help them understand how to eat properly, what to do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, even your vascular services, the reimbursement rate for those vascular services are just uh, horrendous. It's, it's mm-hmm. not great. You're going to end up cl- having a lot of closures um, uh, uh, around the state of Alabama. You've already experienced some of those. And then for pregnant women, expecting mothers and mothers that have had uh, a child, their health care expires three months after giving birth. Well, guys, you know that a mother needs to be able to have that at least a year that postpartum, um, you know, health care postpartum. And, and that, those type of things like that will help uh, reduce uh, maternal mortality, reduce infant mortality, right? And mm-hmm. so you, you, you have a healthier mother. Uh, and, and have, she have a healthier lifestyle and an opportunity to have access to health care. All of those things are important. But hell, nobody's talking about them. Yeah, yeah. If, we are, if we are pro-life, then damn it, we need to be talking about things that's going to help protect people and that's save right. lives. That's yeah. right. Maybe if you told them they could carry a gun into the hospital after it reopens. Uh, we could get somebody to pay attention. Uh, it, you know, it, it's you're right. You know, to me, to me, the biggest issues that face the normal working family here are the healthcare costs and 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 access to it. Also, childcare 
uh, costs and access to to quality childcare, and and those those two things are are never in a Republican uh, agenda of any sorts. And you know, it, and it if you if you fix childcare today, you'd have all you'd have the greatest uh, work participation numbers in uh, in in the history of the country right now. Absolutely, uh, and I think that has also impacted our economy. You know, mm-hmm. not having access to to, to childcare. Uh, mothers have not having access to childcare, uh, staying at home with their children. You know, the school may be uh, on virtual th- uh, this week and, and may be in person next week. So there's a lot of inconsistencies w- because we've not managed this crisis to where we've thrown the economy off and things are getting worse. Mm-hmm. You can't even find a person to, to work. And, and, and a lot of people say, oh, yeah, people are lazy. They don't want to work. Guys, we're missing 17,000 people. <laughs> Remember. <laughs> There's yeah. seventeen thousand people that we're missing. Yes, yeah, yeah, we're missing seventeen thousand people, and and you you lost so many mothers out of the workforce because you're you're right. You can't. You know, what I mean, how many p- parents have lost a job or been forced to quit a job because their kids are home and they've had to they've had to make that choice to do one or the yeah. other. Yeah, and also I think a lot of people have figured out that there are other ways to earn a living. Yep outside of that traditional nine to five corporate model. And, uh, and so that's forced uh, some of these businesses to really have to make some decisions about, um, you know, what kinds of uh, incentive plans and payment plans they're going to hmm. offer employees. Even the army, even the yeah. army now has increased its bonus schedule to $50,000, yeah. $50,000 bonuses. Yeah. It's weird how all that health care and, and good pay was available out there when, when they didn't have workers, right? Isn't it, isn't yeah. it how, how the bottom line would, would make that work for them if, you know, as soon as the crisis hit? Or, you know, before, it was they were crying poor, but now all of a sudden they've got all kinds of cash to throw at people. It's pretty weird. You know, yeah. But, yeah. Hey, 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 Josh, I want to ask uh, Anthony to put on his, uh, his political prognostication hat for Uh, I'm curious about your assessment, Anthony, of uh, what's happening on the Republican side as it relates to the governor's race. You got, you know, uh, uh, Governor Ivey now being challenged by, I think last count was two. She's got two. Oh, no, no. She's got like five. She's got five. Well, I mean, two major. So, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah so I would say got, so. Although, although Lou Burnett may, may, you know, he's a he's a popular guy in some circles. Is he? Okay, yeah. I, I didn't know that. But yeah. I mean, Tim James, Linda Blanchard, who, while she doesn't have a big name, she's got deep pockets. Mm-hmm. You know, what's what's your assessment on Governor Ivey's chances to uh, to to win the Republican uh, GOP primary, and and also Part B? What do you think the impact is? If she does, here's what I will say. Look at the caliber of candidates that ran for governor last time in the Republican primary, which are have more name ID uh, as well as more support and have an established base uh, that ran in 2018. If they could not defeat the governor and she's even more popular today. Mm. And so sometimes when you're governing, the difference is when you're governing and you're running a campaign, it's a different type of it's a different style. And so, you know, somebody that's been tested, no, Governor Ivey has not been perfect on issues that I care about, but guess what? You, I've never had a governor that was, was very, valued my opinion like she valued the Republican opinion. When you govern and when we're elected into these offices, we have to manage and operate 
for the people of Alabama, not mm-hmm. the one party versus the other. And so I think that what's happening is Governor Ive has been extremely successful in uh, in policies and, and moving things through. Uh, and I think that uh, I'm not sure why these folks are challenging her in, in the Republican primary. Uh, but, you know, I don't see I don't see any of them getting 20 percent. Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, don't as a co- you mean as a collective or or individual? Individually. Oh, OK. Yeah. 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 I, I think she wins that without a without a runoff. Um, I, I, I can't. I mean, there's nobody. You you can't you can't say enough crazy stuff. There, there's not enough crazy people anymore, um, you know, to to support that sort of thing. I mean, you could even a Roy Moore would have a have a real problem uh, with this, you know, in in this climate right now. I I just think there's too much support behind behind her um, business wise, and and she, and she hasn't done anything stupid. You know, she hasn't done anything dumb. You may you may quib- they may quibble with a few things that we all that we three find sane. Uh, you know, the, the saner things that she's done in terms of the pandemic and other things, uh, you know, that's what they're attacking her on. And I, I just don't think that that's a viable way. I mean, if there were some corruption issue or something like that, then maybe there would be a pathway for somebody in there, like what happened with Roy Moore and Luther Strange. Uh, but, you know, the way that it is now, I can't, I really can't see that. Speaking of Roy Moore, where is he? Yeah. He's like the invisible man, right? Yeah, he's uh, well. He's he's always lurking. He's always lurking. You know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, uh, you know, I I get we, we can get you out of here uh, on on this here because I know you're you're in the airport and and trying to catch flights and and be big time. Uh, but uh, you know, it's um, <laughs> it's, uh, but no, seriously. I mean, listen, not everybody goes to the Aspen Institute, man. I mean, that's, I, that's I, you know, all joking aside, that's that's a quite an honor, man. It that's really true. is. I'm not Absolutely. I'm not I'm not being funny about that. But you know, when when you look at where where Democrats are right now, uh, you, you know we have, have the agenda. The House uh, House Caucus has its agenda out, um, and then we look at the elections uh, coming up. W- you know, what do you feel like? Uh, what do you, what do you feel like the average Democrat should expect? The average Democratic voter, what do you feel like they should expect out of the the twenty two election cycle? I think the average Democrats need to focus their attention on the long game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, nationally, national politics bring about uh, the flavors of the day. OK, a lot of times Democrats like to part where the where the shiny objects are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but understand the lack of investment in Alabama from a national perspective. You got to start building. OK, uh, we've allowed the House to be torn down from the top down. Uh, through from the 2010 election, and then they start trending that way a little bit before the 2010 election. But understand that infighting in any party causes destruction eventually. And what you're seeing is you're seeing what the Democratic Party was is what the Republican Party is now as it relates to the infighting. Uh, but uh, but you know it's 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 going to see this, we're going to see the same thing. So I would say that. Um, Focus on your local communities and start building the farm team. Start training. Stop eating your own uh, and and focus on leadership development. Uh, Be intentional about your candidate recruitment, uh, making certain that you're not sending a hungry boy girl down to represent you in Montgomery or to represent you at the local level. Uh, Make certain that you're you're focusing on uh, people uh, that 
you know, that have the community best interest at heart uh, and have moral leadership. You know, mm-hmm. people that are willing to exercise moral leadership for the common good uh, and being and having folks that are just running for office. Uh, because at the end of the day, the just person is not necessarily the most popular person a lot of times uh, because they don't use their influence to, to, to make themselves look good, right? Uh, they want to do it behind the scenes and don't really want to get any credit for it. But that unjust person shines the, fi- the, 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 the shiny object in front of you and they wield their power for their own personal good and the good of their friends. And those are not the people that we need in public office. Love it. That's yeah, great. I do too. I do too. It's a, uh, it's, it's good advice. Hard to follow, but good advice. Uh, you know, it's uh, so we'll, we'll, I hopefully, hopefully that'll, uh, that some people will take heed of that and, uh, and we'll get some, some good candidates down the line and, uh, and build this thing from the ground up. But Hey man, we appreciate you taking the time. I know you, you are exceptionally busy and, uh, and it's always nice to have you on and a nice yep. job, a nice job Tuesday night, nice job with the caucus and, and keep it up. Thank y'all, and I appreciate you guys for you know getting the word out and and, and really being the voice of reason. Uh, right now, it's just really hard to find uh, you know the the uh, press that will kind of tell you, give you the facts, and mm-hmm. and and really allow uh, a difference in opinion to be um, you know to be discussed and bring and being contrarians to the other side and bringing more balance uh, to the conversation. And so you know, I appreciate you guys for for taking the time to do this uh, and, and to really get the message and the word out uh, to Alabamians across the state. And so we appreciate y'all. All right. Thanks, Thank sir. you. And, uh, and appreciate you again. And, and we'll, uh, we'll get, we'll be back in touch with you soon. That's that right. is, Safe uh, travels, brother. Yeah. Thank you. Andy. Right, y'all be, y'all, y'all be safe and Hey, stay away from that COVID. It's not your friend. <laughs> we're doing our best man we're doing our best that, that is uh house minority leader anthony daniels and uh, uh this is alabama politics this week we'll be back in a minute hi this is david person with alabama politics this week you know josh and i have a lot of fun doing this podcast and we also try to keep it very informational with newsmaker interviews and and we try to do our research too before we get on here and pontificate. I hope that you find the podcast informative and entertaining. So if you do, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to rate us, subscribe to us, and review us on your favorite podcasting platform, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever it is you're using to listen to us. Please do that that will help us to move up in the rankings and also to uh, get more people to tune in. So if you're a fan of Alabama politics this week, I hope you'll do that for us. Thanks. All righty, welcome back. Alabama politics this week. Always nice to have Anthony Daniels on. Uh, the fe- I'm sorry, uh, uh, Aspen Institute fellow. Uh, Anthony Daniels. Uh, that's right. Uh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, I'm proud of him for that. That's that's good yeah. stuff. That is good. Stuff. That is good stuff. Yeah. It's uh, all right. So uh, we, we got a we got kind of a mismatch of things here. Um, all right. Just to, to start, you know, I'm terrible about remembering to do basic housekeeping things. Mm. Um, one of which is reminding people if they want to ask us a question. Um, they can do so by emailing us 
at apwproducer uh, <laughs> at gmail.com. That's uh, apwproducer <laughs> at gmail.com. You know, uh, every time you say W, you know I think about Ernest T. Bass every time from the Andy Griffiths <laughs> show. Uh, wait till you see me do math. Huh. Uh, 25, 25, 50. Uh, the, uh, all right. So, uh, yeah, you can do that. Uh, ask us questions about politics or, you know, or you listen, if you want to make a comment, you want to make fun of something that we said or, mm. you know, make a joke, whatever, man, we're, mm-hmm. we're all for it. We'll, we'll read your stuff. And also we would really appreciate, uh, ratings and reviews, um, mm-hmm. you know, on the, on the Apple podcast website, because that does help us attract people to the, to the show and, and bumps the, you know, Bumps the show up the up the charts a little bit, and so uh, we, we and and if you leave a nice review, we will read it. So, David, would you like to read? Because I'll, I'll let you read the nice reviews, and I'll read all the bad ones. Uh, okay. And so, there are the ones that make fun of me. I'll read those. Uh, okay. So, well, this one actually uh, is uh, is kind to both of us. This is a a five star review from someone whose moniker is Get the Flick. All right. So get the flick says if you if you're new to Huntsville, who isn't? That's actually a good point. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And you need to learn something about Alabama politics. This is the show for you. Fun, a little crazy and definitely the inside scoop. Josh and David have been covering Alabama politics forever. It seems in parentheses. Doesn't it? Yeah. Well, not just to him, but to us. (laughs) So they know who's who, and a lot of the history behind the shenanigans that define Alabama politics. So if you feel like a tiny blue dot and a sea of red, have a listen. You'll find you aren't alone. That's a nice, that's a nice. That is very nice. Yeah. So welcome in everybody. Welcome in all you tiny blue dots. Uh, You're not alone out there. They're, they're, they're very sane people. Even in that sea of red, uh, Mm -hmm. there are, there are people who are, who are blue dots uh, there that are disguising themselves for economic purposes. Um, and you know who you are. Uh, you may work with in the Capitol. Huh? That's right. You know who you are. Um, so, uh, but uh, you know, it's, um, uh, it's, it's nice. This is a nice welcoming show. We do a lot of, we do a lot of nice things here, uh, you know, and, uh, and we, we talk, very plainly, as you have heard, we are not fellows ourselves. We're just fellas. <laughs> just, uh, just fellas. F e l l a y h s. Fellas, or not fellas? even with the h. <laughs> yeah, I think we just leave it at the a. A s. Yeah. 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 yeah fellas. Fellas. Uh, or 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 you, you, if you really want, if we're on a good day, we're fellers. Uh, fellers. You know, so fellers. Yeah. Hey, look at them yeah. fellers. That's the Ernest T. Bass uh, pronunciation. <laughs> fellers. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we have we have a couple of things uh, that we a couple of stories and things we need to get to. Uh, the legislature is back in session. They have not done anything to steal your money yet. Uh, so that covers our legislative report. Uh, thank you. That is uh, <laughs> brought to you by Exxon. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, then past that, we have we also have another pol- Huntsville police officer has been arrested for murder. Um, mm, man, let and, me tell you, mm. uh, I don't. Are, are mm. we paying for this guy's legal representation? Uh, are the taxpayers uh, I, paying for this one? I have not. Uh, I have not heard that we are, and I don't think we will be. Um, huh. Not only because of the blowback from the last time, uh, but because this case is really. 
the allegations are very troubling. Um, so the allegations are that this gentleman, and I'm sorry, Josh, I don't have his name up on the screen in front of me. Um, Let's don't call his name. How about that? Let's don't call Well, you know what? That's a good point. Let's not yeah. do he's it. A, he's a former, I guess, former. Well, I guess he's still current. Uh, 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 I think he's uh, still current, I think. Yeah, I think yeah, still, God knows you can't fire him for a long time. Yeah, I think he, as far as I know, he's still, I have not heard that he's not on the payroll yet, unless uh, yeah. something has happened within the past day or so. But uh uh, this uh, this officer, and it's you can easily Google it if you want to know his name and other details. Uh, he um, he uh, is alleged by law enforcement. Mm -hmm. He is alleged to have shot and killed his pregnant girlfriend, mm -hmm. and to have tried to cover it up by saying that it was a suicide. Mm -hmm. That is all. I mean, that's just disturbing on so many levels. Yeah. So many yeah. levels. And um, as I've as I've said, um, you know, in some media interviews that I've done about this on behalf of the Rosa Parks Committee of Huntsville, Madison County, you know, again, you know, this this speaks to our concerns about the culture of policing. But that culture doesn't just involve, you know, uh, the kind of environment that shapes the thinking of police officers in terms of how they behave or police the public. But it also involves, um, you know, making sure that uh, there are systems in place to provide officers who may be under duress because of family issues, financial issues, what have you, mm -hmm. uh, that provide them with support. And, and there ought to be not just support for them, but there ought to be, because we know that, that police officers, just like other first responders and, and in our military personnel, you know, they are unfortunately predisposed to, well, not predisposed to, but they are, they are highly likely to, encounter situations that will cause them to suffer with PTSD. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so there needs to be a monitoring. And I'm not talking about in some, uh, you know, big government, um, yeah. yeah, George Orwellian kind of way, but I mean, just sort of a monitoring, a, a systematic monitoring of their emotional, psychological well-being so mm -hmm. that hopefully we don't we don't see situations such as this one uh, that that have allegedly occurred that's allegedly occurred so that we don't see these kinds of situations happen. Yeah. This is a tragedy. Yeah. You know, uh, and a lot I think a lot of what you said there kind of goes back to what Anthony and, and us, or, or we were talking about with Anthony Daniels. So where, yeah. it, you know, um, so many times those sorts of things are couched as negatives for law enforcement. Um, kind of like body cameras, you know, um, uh, th those things were, they were presented in such a negative way, uh, right. to them that, you know, I don't, I think that uh, more, more work needs to be done by, by Democrats, um, especially now in this state with what's taking place with Republicans pushing this thing that, that law enforcement is so totally against and will, will actually make them less safe. Um, I think th this work needs to be done to talk to them about these things that will actually make them safer. 
and, and make them healthier. Um, and you know, it's, it's like the body cam stuff. You know, I, I have a lot, I know this will be a surprise. I have a lot of cop friends. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I mean, there are, there are a lot of people that I know, um, uh, from, uh, especially from my days in Montgomery, uh, cop people, listen, there, there's some cops that hate my guts, but I mean, that, you know, that happens, <laughs> uh, doing this, doing this line of work. It just, mm-hmm. it's the way it works. You know, they, there was one guy that tried to fight me in the police station one day, but, uh, wow. that's right. Wow. I'd have taken his ass too. He was going, Oh, down. really? Oh, uh, that's right. <laughs> we were going at it, buddy. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> Uh, but um, no, I, listen. I, no, I, I and I told I, you know, that was that was a misunderstanding. I mean, we we still don't like each other, but that was a misunderstanding that we each apologize for um, mm-hmm. him more so than me because it's far more his misunderstanding than mine. But um, you know, anyway, we. Um, but there are I have other cop friends that I've talked to about these things, and yes, there are some things that have that have been introduced by Democrats that I think. Eh, you know, are are ignorant of the situations that law enforcement often finds themselves in. Okay, uh, there are some ideas that they have about what they can do in high pressure situations that are just it's not they're not feasible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and I back the the law enforcement guys on that because listen, I like to be able to pick up the phone. <laughs> If, Absolutely. If somebody's coming into the door and calling some some people that are going to come by and help, okay, I Absolutely. like that idea. I think that's a fine idea for the country, and I Absolutely. think ninety nine percent of the American public think feels the same way, mm-hmm. okay. Um, and so uh, I, you know, I respect what if you're call if I'm calling you to this high pressure life threatening situation, then I'm going to give you some deference. Okay. Yeah. And, and, uh, and what you do, now, I expect you to behave a certain way, but you know, in, in hairy situations, I, I, I lean towards leniency to that way. But, you know, I also think that there are a lot of things that they agree with the body cameras, for example, that, you know, I, I've had cops tell me, listen, man, that's gotten me out of so much BS uh, over the years. You mm. know, guys claiming that I did this or I did that or I said this. And we just go to the tape, you know. And and he said, you know, because I don't have anything to hide. Uh, it's like, you know, hell, I, you know, if guys want to record me, like record away. It just gets me out of more trouble, man, mm-hmm. if you record me, uh, you know. And, and so I think those sorts of things, mental health stuff. Um, you know, when I talk to sheriffs uh, and I got – Oh, <laughs> Derek Cunningham is a Montgomery County Sheriff is one of the greatest dudes I've ever met. And, uh, and I like him a lot. And he was on this thing a long time ago talking about, uh, mental health issues and, and, and uh, among his, his staff, uh, and among the prisoners that they, they are assigned. He's like, man, we're throwing people in cages like dogs down here, mm. and, you know, and, and we don't have mm. any way to do anything. So a, a lot of, Ask him, I guarantee you, you call Derek Cunningham and say, I'm going to take a portion of your budget and devote it to mental health care and remove those prisoners from your jail cell that are there that you're holding on mental health orders. I guarantee you he's okay with it. Guaranteed. And I guarantee you, you won't find a sheriff out there that won't. And so, you know, when, and that's part of the defund the police, which I also agree with James Carville is a stupid way to couch it. But, you know, you know, I just feel like, there are a lot of things that we could do that have been resisted by police unions, uh, which, by the way, do police unions actually represent police officers anymore? I mean, hmm. have you seen the idiotic things that come out of police unions? 
and the police union leaders and the things that they fight and the stupid things that they say and the and under the guise of protecting the guy, uh, the membership they're not protecting anybody they're giving them a hell of a bad name at this point um but you know we, we tend to bend to these dudes for some reason or another and it is it's almost always harmful to the overall good of the department. Uh, what you know, what comes out of police unions at this point, and the yeah. rhetoric that they use in most of these, uh, in most cases, and yeah. you know, it just seems like to me that we, the fighting that's taking place left and right, has done a pretty big disservice to the guys that are actually on the ground and trying to do good work. Um, you know, I'm all for 100 percent weeding out bad cops yeah. and and guys who are on power trips and who treat citizens as uh, as though you know they're. <sighs> you know, they're jailers or something, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, assuming that, assuming that they're criminals automatically. Yeah. yeah. Sort of I mean, but yeah. we, it, it just seemed like we could avoid a lot of situations and possibly this could have been one of them. Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe this guy was just a, maybe this guy was just a bad guy, which again, we could have weeded out with a few, uh, a few steps put in place here, but, uh, man, what an awful, awful story. And yeah, it's a and, tragedy. And and another another huge black eye for that department uh, yeah. that doesn't really need another one. I don't know. They don't have any eyes left. No, it doesn't need another one. Uh, and and I and I you know and I understand again that you know whatever this whatever the if he did what they say he's done and it certainly certainly again I stress that law enforcement believes it and the and the local justice system believes that he's done mm-hmm. this. Uh, it's, that's just a horrible tragedy. And I I can understand that, you know, the chief of police or the mayor of the city may look at me or look at you, Josh, and say, well, why are you pointing fingers at us? We didn't pull the trigger. We didn't know this. We don't even know this guy, especially the mayor might say he doesn't Mm -hmm. know who he is. Uh, you know, we're not personally responsible for that. And I would just counter by saying, you may not be personally responsible. You didn't make the choice, but my but my belief is that that the the atmosphere of policing in this city has helped to make, unfortunately, make something like this possible. Is my belief, mm-hmm. um, and and I think uh, I think it if you have a situation where uh, police officers. Uh, who are inclined to do bad things feel like they can uh, or to be or to be sort of cowboys like William Darby was. Yes. If they feel if they feel empowered to be that way, then why would you think that they would only be that way in one specific situation? Well, they're going to be that way. That's going to filter in, in my opinion, that's going to filter in to how they do the do their jobs and even how they view themselves as a whole, especially mm-hmm. when you're talking about younger guys, yeah. you know, uh, Darby was a rookie. Well, not a rookie, but he was a young, a young, relatively inexperienced police officer, at least relative to the other yeah. two officers who were on the scene when he, when he went in and in 30 seconds or less killed a man that other officers we're talking with trying yeah. to de-escalate the situation. Mm-hmm. And yet you had the mayor and the chief of police basically affirming what Darby did. Well, if you're going to affirm Darby for what he did, 
then that signals, I think that sends a signal to other officers about the kind of atmosphere and the kind of approach that, uh, you know, uh, the leadership feels is acceptable. Mm-hmm. And and that, unfortunately, in my opinion, could lead not to most officers doing this, but maybe to one or two, and God God willing, no more than that, doing what this what was unfortunately done to this uh, young woman, according to uh, the charges that this 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 officer is facing. Yeah, you know, um, I, I think you're you're right about and everything that you said. I agree with everything, um, and and I think that um, you know a lot of times, you know they. They um they get stuck. Uh, police departments, because of leadership, get stuck in the, in an old school approach to to policing, an old school approach to how to handle uh, cops. Um, and anything new school is seen as a sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, community policing, for example, and man, this was a huge deal in Montgomery uh, when that when the uh, police officer or police chief there. Um, decided uh, that he wanted to do more community policing. Uh, you know, he made a big show of, of giving uh, John Lewis his badge as an apology for what took place on the Freedom Rides, uh, you know, was implementing things to make officers go into, uh, go take courses over at Alabama State, uh, you know, in, in how to deal with uh, uh, situations, you know, de-escalate situations, how to get better information from the public, how to go and talk to people, where to go, how to how to communicate better. Um, you know, this he got a tremendous pushback to the point where he was eventually fired. He was eventually pushed out uh, there. And, uh, you know, and, and I'm not so certain that some of the similar things aren't taking place in, in Huntsville, except for the fact that they're. There is no effort there on behalf of that chief to advance the thinking of that police department, uh, to advance them to a point where um, where mental health issues, for example, aren't treated as embarrassing situations. You know, mm. I, it, it takes a lot for it takes a lot for for guys to go uh, and, and women, for that matter, women police officers uh, to go to 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 say you know, what's happening on that job is getting to them, uh, you know, or that they need to talk about some things or to even recognize that they do. And and I'm not so sure that the policies of that police department, uh, just having read them, you know, from afar and and not done as, as much, you know, intimate work with that police department as I certainly as I did with the one in, in Montgomery for a while. But, you know, but having, having read a lot of, I read the policy manual for, for Huntsville PD. I read, you know, when all this was going on with Darby, I read a lot of this and, mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem as though, and also listening to the complaints from citizens and from uh, advisory councils and, and uh, your group uh, there, the Rosa Parks foundation, I, you know, that uh, it, it doesn't seem as though they are putting forth that effort uh, to be more, and it was a, a dirty word, especially among police and police unions, progressive um, in their thinking. But progressivism in this sense saves the lives and careers of police officers. Um, and and maybe it could have saved the life of this young lady and her child. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I don't know that. I don't, and I don't, I'm certainly, I, when I say that, I don't want to put, I'm, I'm not in any way putting the blame for this on, on the police chief or, or the hierarchy there. I'm not saying that at all. Right. Yeah. I'm just saying that, you know, there seems to be a problem within that department of, of behavioral issues. And, uh, and I wonder, 
if if more training and more progressive training and more training about well mental health stuff would, would be helpful for them um, and, and and possibly do some good within the department. That's all you know. That's that's all I'm saying about it. And mm-hmm. um, it's it's just a it's a tragedy. It is a it's an absolute absolute terrible tragedy. Horrible. Um, Horrible. And just I mean you know, God. Mm. So. Heartbreaking, man. Absolutely heartbreaking. Two lives. Yeah. Two lives gone yeah. uh, in a horrible way. Just just heartbreaking. Um, so, um, again, on that bright note, uh, let's yeah. uh, let's change uh, gears quickly. A right wing nut. And I'd like to talk about this guy just a little bit before we get out of here. Uh, Mike Holmes. Representative yeah. Mike Holmes is our right wing nut and probably could be our mascot um, for right wing nuts. <laughs> uh, if you don't know him, he's from Elmore County. I uh, lived around those parts for a while um, and, and I did get to know Mike Holmes. Uh, Mike Holmes, when you hear what he says, is exactly who you think he is. Um, but he uh, and, and, and a lot of it is, is couched in racism. Uh, I mean, he is uh, he's, he's done a lot of things that, that lead you to believe that he is a pretty unapologetic racist in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh and I'm sure he would tell you otherwise. I'm sure he would come out and say, I'm not a racist. I'm not, you know, I just believe what I believe. And, and what he believes is, is that the South was correct in fighting for slavery um, and that uh, his membership in the Sons of Confederate Veterans group, which is a you know, racist group, uh, it, it, there's no problem with that. And that the Civil War was fought over taxes. So, yeah. Right. That's that's our boy Mike Holmes. So you know, and and of course, you know, there he's not he's not the only one who espouses that point of view. But but let me just say, I find it fascinating that people who were born 150 years or 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 who were alive 150 years after the Civil War, born you know probably a uh, hundred plus a uh, uh, hundred or so years after the Civil War, think they are authorities on the Civil War, more so than the actual people who were living at that time uh-huh. directing the activities of the Civil War. Uh-huh. So when uh, when when State Representative Holmes is uh, was confronted by our friend uh, Kyle uh, Whitmire with actual evidence from one of the founding fathers of the Confederacy Uh who stated explicitly that the Confederacy was about the subjugation of black people as slaves stated that explicitly that, that Holmes has the audacity to say, well, I think he's wrong. (laughs) What the freaking hell you think he's wrong. You think he, one of the founders of the Confederacy, doesn't know why he was doing what he was doing? Uh-huh. That's the most asinine thing that a person could say. You know, you know what, you know what gets me, man. What always gets me about these people are the people who claim that it was that the heritage there, their their ancestors being run over. That's why they're so mad about this. That. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? You didn't know those people. 
What do you mm-hmm. even mean? You don't know. I mean, right, some distant great, great, great grandfather, uh, you know, that that fought in the Civil War but over his land. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that. I mean, most of these people wouldn't cross the street to help their cousin out today. But that's what's driving you. I mean, get out of here. It's racism. <laughs> that's what's driving you. You know. I mean, honest to God, man, you wouldn't. You wouldn't go today. Ninety percent of those people wouldn't go help their cousin move a couch. Okay, because the ball game's on. But yeah, they're gonna hate all black people. But because yeah, come on, get out of here. Well, let me just let me, stop it. I'm gonna I'm going to uh, I'm going to differ with you only slightly, just a smidgen. Uh-huh. Uh, and we've talked about this before. I personally, as a black person, I make a distinction, and it's and you know some and ultimately I will concede it's probably a distinction ultimately without a difference. But I think in understanding people, it's important to make the distinction, you know, even though the consequences are still the same. I think that Mike Holmes may not be I don't know Mike Holmes, so I can't say, you know, whether or not he hates black people or not. But a racist to me, as I understand it, is somebody who does indeed, as you just said, hate black people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Mike Holmes hates black people or not, but I certainly believe that anybody who defends the Confederacy, at the very least, subscribes to a mindset of white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And so I think, it is, I think it's entirely possible for a person to not hate people because of their skin color, but to believe nonetheless that they and their culture are superior yes. to them. I, yeah, I mean, that's, that's racist to me, but I mean, it's, I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's the ultimate byproduct. I I agree with you. The ultimate byproduct is usually the same, Mm -hmm. but, but I think it's important to make the distinction, Josh, only because I think um, I would like to say, I I mean, I I guess I'd say it this way, you know, calling somebody a racist is, is, is something that is, um, it's probably one of the most inflammatory things you can do in our society. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, and I think we ought to reserve that label for people who truly, truly embody that. And for well, people who don't, for people, because I think, I think those people are, are probably, you know, they're a lost cause. Mm-hmm. White supremacists, I think, may have the potential to be persuaded of the error of their ways. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm yeah, naive. I, but you know, I, I would say. So if if uh, let's just speak specifically, Mike, Mike Holmes. Mm-hmm. Um, the you know he has uh, supported, and in one case uh, was the sponsor of uh, the Monuments Bill, protecting mm-hmm. Confederate monuments. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a huge supporter, vocal supporter of the anti-riot. Uh, bill last year, which basically was an anti-protest bill against black citizens. Uh, uh, we're going to give police, you know, all sorts of act, uh, ability to arrest people at, at protests. Mm-hmm. Um, it, he has been against pretty much every criminal justice reform bill that has come down the way. Um, at a point, to me, no matter how friendly you are to the face of other people of color, 
no matter how much you might protest when somebody calls you a racist. If your actions continue to harm uh, seemingly without any care uh, and with just absolute indifference to, to the suffering that you bring about, if those actions continue to do that repeatedly, then I don't have much of a problem calling you racist, um, you know, and, um, and and it's not I understand 100 percent what you're saying. I, I do believe there are an, there are people out there who hold tendencies, um, who are who beliefs who are e- easily misled on, on certain issues um, who would who have um, I have some friends like this who have a number of black friends. And I know that's, you know, really what how, you know, just. That's one of those things that you say, you know what I mean? I know, but, but they yeah. do, they, they, they yeah, have, yeah, you know, yeah. we, cause we all grew up together. And so they have a number of, of black friends and, and often they'll say these things and our mutual black friends will be like, Whoa, bro, what the hell are you talking about, man? You know? And it's like, <laughs> and they're like, Oh, uh, that, that's not right. You know? And it's, you know, and so those conversations happen, but, but they are still easily misled into those stereotypes and believing, you know, falsehoods, um, and, and using anecdotal evidence, uh, you know, to, uh, to describe, subscribe, you know, horrible. Uh, prescribe horrible things to uh, to the whole uh, group of minorities uh, out there. Um, but so I understand exactly what you're saying. I just don't think Mike Holmes is in that group. Okay. Uh, I think okay. he's had enough chances uh, and enough people have have showed him the error of his ways. And there have been enough books written about the Civil War at this point uh, that you shouldn't still hold those beliefs if you are anything other than a racist. So. Well, you know him. You, you, I mean, you've had encounters with him. I've never I don't think I've ever met the man. So, uh, you know, I, I'll defer to you on that. But I, I, I do think, again, that there are far more people who would probably be accurately described as white supremacist. And, and not yes. all of them are white either. I think there's some black black people. I think Clarence Thomas, from what I've read about him, from what I've heard him say, I think he probably is a white supremacist. Um, you know, and he's a black man. Uh, I think uh, what's his name who just ran for California, Larry Elder, based on what I've read about him and heard from him. I think he's a white supremacist. You know, so there there are you know, it's not just white people that can be white supremacist in my mind. Uh, yeah. But uh, but I think there are people who who fall into that category. And um, and I think that's a little bit more. um you know, I, I, I'm reluctant to call somebody a racist unless I know they have virulent hatred for black people. Uh, somebody who just thinks black people are inferior or black cultures inferior. I'd yeah. like to Clayton think Bigsby. That, Clayton Bigsby, for example. I mean, you know, well, you know, I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's the, it's the Chappelle show character. Uh, the, <laughs> you know, I just kind of feel like, uh, you know. Um, they are, the, the end result may be the same, but I think the thought processes with them is a little bit different. And I guess the optimist in me is hopeful that perhaps they can be reasoned with, but you know, yeah. I may be wrong on that. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, what, uh, hundred and some odd years says, nah, uh, but, uh, <laughs> Okay. okay. Uh, All right. So, well, you know, with that, uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap me. Me and my black friend are gonna wrap this show up. Um, and uh, <laughs> well, I'm not your only black friend, though. That's, uh, that's what true. you got going for you. That is true. That is true. Yeah. Uh, all right. We're uh, 
We're going to slide out of here. Uh, until next week, y'all be safe. Peace.